Welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's August 28, 2017, and yes, we're at episode 7. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as usual, I'm joined by the one and only Chad Owen. Hey there, Mike. Good morning, and boy, Chad, do we have a show today. I am very excited. Mike and I have had a, a fun time trying to take us on a, on a kind of zigzag journey through innovators. You know, we're, we're not going to just talk about the Elon Musks and the Jeff Bezoses of the world. We firmly jumped, I think it's safe to say, we have jumped from Silicon Valley right across the great country of America, right over there to the East Coast, down uh, to the land of the Patriots. Who are we going to focus on today, Mr. Chad Owen? Patriots coach Bill Belichick. I had mentioned last week to Mike that we should talk about a sports figure, and the first that came to my mind was Michael Jordan, but then Mike was like, no, 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 no. We've got to do Bill <laughs> Belichick. And I, I think to, to set this up a little bit for our listeners who are, who are not uh, mad keen NFL fans, let's just put this in, into perspective. We both jumped out of our skins when, when we were talking about this. Bill Belichick is a lifelong American football coach. His father was an American football coach. And it's uh, generally considered now, I think it's fair to say, Chad, that he is the all-time greatest NFL coach uh, with one of the greatest records and has produced just so many amazing players over a long stretch of time. He, he stands above all when it comes to NFL coaches, doesn't he? Yeah, well, and I, I don't think that you and I could really do him justice. So you were able to find a clip from three amazing coaches in three other sports that said that he was the best. We have Coach K of Duke, who's won five NCAA college basketball championships. He's also a Hall of Famer. Doc Rivers, great NBA player and coach, who won a championship. And then Joe Torre of the New York Yankees, who I believe has four four World Series titles to his name. But uh, here, are, here are these guys talking about Bill. Where do you think Bill Belichick lies in the pantheon of great coaches? Bill Belichick, uh, I think, stands alone as far as greatness. He's right there with any coach of any sport. I think he's the greatest coach of all time. In uh, any sport? In any sport. All right, Tommy, you got it. Eight seconds now. No penalty. No penalties. We need another good week of practice. We need to keep getting better. There's a lot of we can do better. It's trusting each other and everybody doing their job. All right, Mike, are you ready for some football? Oh, my gosh. So before you all go, what on earth are these guys thinking? Where's, where's my Silicon Valley gurus? Where's my media darlings? I just want to set up a few things here. First of all, Bill Belichick is as a straight a shooter as you can get. He is famous for uh, when he doesn't like questions from the press. He just gives them the death stare, doesn't he? He kind of gets into this stare down. He just goes quiet and like they just freeze at him because he just doesn't get into any speculation. He doesn't get into any gossip. He is one straight shooting guy and he is dripping in wisdom. Yeah, it, it, it's funny to see his kind of coaching career with owners that were 
obsessed with the media or came from media backgrounds versus owners that treat teams more like businesses. And he certainly likes the latter owners. You know, he's all, all about getting down to business, you know, which is, is training and uh, learning how to defeat your opponent, you know, on Sunday. Yeah, he, he, I, I would say that in, in, in terms of what his, his football acumen is unsurpassed. Like he just knows more than anyone. He's seen more plays than anyone. He's forgotten more plays than most people have ever learned. He is quite remarkable. He's incredibly famous for picking obscure players who are not generally considered to be great and he makes them great. He has, uh, in terms of dynasties, uh, he's just been able to be part of and contribute to winning teams, both as an assistant coach and as a uh, head coach. But I, I think, Chad, without doubt, there is so much analogy between the way he coaches football and the way you would coach any other sport and how you would do, how you would lead any team or any business, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there is a reason there is a whole genre of business books on sports leadership. The the parallels are really enlightening and I I, I thoroughly enjoyed I, I I don't you know I'm from Texas so my team was America's team, you know, the Cowboys when I was growing up. Um and I know you're a 49ers fan, so I was kind of surprised you were so into uh Bill Belichick. Right. But uh I think there's just so much that we can learn about how to bring the best out of the people that you work with. I really feel that's what what's, you know the great sports coaches do. They assemble the right people and they get the best out of them. And um, I think we can learn a lot from just coaches in general. And cert- certainly Bill has some many great pieces of wisdom to, to share with us. Yes. And, and so, so we have got a ton of great clips coming up for you. So as a quick overview of what's to come, we're going to see a theme, I, I think, Chad, it's safe to say, comes back in almost every single entrepreneur and innovator, which is this concept of learning. Bill's big on that one. And you see a number of very functional worldview, the way he thinks about things that are, that are very compelling. And, and again, just like we've learned from other entrepreneurs and innovators, essential if you want to succeed and do something remarkable. And on the flip side, he has like an incredibly high emotional intelligence. He knows what it takes to get good players to become great. And I think before we get into the first clip, I think it's very important to mention that it is exceptionally rare that you will get what is considered the best ever coach and best ever player, i.e. quarterback in this case, playing together. And that's what we have with Tom Brady, the quarterback, of the New England Patriots and Coach Belichick. And what's particularly poignant was that Brady was drafted, as all college players will be, at the end of their college season, they, they, a college career, they get then drafted for the, for the in this case, the NFL. And, um, you know, the, the, the best place to be is a first-round draft pick, and um, with that comes... I would I think it's safe to say, Chad, million-dollar contracts out of the gate, right? T- tens of millions, yeah. Yeah. So, so if you're a first-round pick, you're, you're, you're the man, and there's a big scrap every season for the exchanging of votes and positions and choices and selections and all that kind of thing. 
Now, you know, you get down to third, fourth round picks, you know, those guys might get a couple of run-ons during the season and anyone fifth and below, uh, they're essentially water boys and, you know, the backup of the backup. Uh, is that, do you, do you think that's fair to characterize a fi- fifth and sixth round pick uh, in the draft? Yeah. I mean, when uh, the Patriots took Tom Brady, he was the fourth quarterback on the roster. Fourth quarterback, sixth round pick. And um, what's particularly important to note is that even Tom himself will say, as will Bill, that Tom is not the most talented quarterback ever. But because he embodies this concept of doing his job and working incredibly hard to become better, he's managed to become the most successful quarterback in history and this is why it is so special that we get to to listen to Bill talk about his views his philosophies his ideas for building a great team and building great plays and all of this can inspire us in creating products creating new companies or even dare I say just to be better people overall so we've got two particular clips that we've got here. Uh, we managed to find a CNBC interview from earlier this year, and the great thing is it was just after they won the most recent Super Bowl, which before before we get into this interview, uh, Chad, take us through this, this most recent Super Bowl victory for New England and Coach Belichick because it was off the charts. Well, I'm not a huge NFL fan, but if you know if you're in America, you kind of like have to at least have the uh, Super Bowl on when it's when it's playing. And to be honest, I just wasn't very interested in in the ball game because I, I I wanted the Patriots to win. I wanted Tom Brady to get another championship, but um, they just weren't dominating the game like like most of the rest of the season. Uh, that they had they were they were kind of they're being manhandled a little bit and Tom Brady just couldn't really connect with any of his receivers and and their running game wasn't quite as good as as they had needed so they actually you know fell behind by by quite a bit by, quite by a seemingly bit. Insurman- insurmountable amount of points uh-huh. you know we're talking like three touchdowns three scores yeah um where you know when you're in the second half of 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 a ball game you don't think that they're going to be coming back from that, any, you know, at all. And boy, w- what was the turn? I mean, it was remarkable, wasn't it? Well, I, I, I'm having trouble remembering exactly right. what it was. Third, third quarter, and they just turned it around. They pushed it to overtime. And by the time overtime was running, they had so completely changed the game Bill had brought in all these new moves. Brady just transformed like I've never seen an NFL player transform. And by the, by, by the extra time, it was so obvious that they were going to win. And, and the, the uh, Atlanta guys were just destroyed. They just couldn't believe they, they thought they had it. And once again, the Patriots turned it around. And it's all embedded in this series of philosophies that he's coached the team and we we've just got a ton of these uh, clips t- uh, to play you, so I feel like we're ready to get into to the next clip. What do you think, Chad? Yeah, uh, I also just want to mention that you had recommended a book to me that we'll speak about a little bit later. But it was really interesting 
to me to just learn about Bill Belichick's, you know, upbringing and, and history. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd been coaching like as an unpaid assistant in the 70s. And so, you know, it took 20, 25 years for him to find the right owner in Robert Kraft, the right team in the New England Patriots. And then a couple years after that, until he found his player, mm. actually his, I would say his best student, yes. Tom Brady, yes. the quarterback. And so again, for those of us that think that those overnight successes happen overnight, oh, we are so wrong. <laughs> in both cases for, for both Tom and Bill. So let's let's jump into this this next clip. And this clip is all about about learning and the gentleman speaking is doc rivers he's a great ex great nba player he's won the world champs 2008 boston celtics so he's a big time dude in basketball he's also his son also if i remember right also plays for the clippers with him so i mean we're talking dynasty right there so he's a big deal and this is his story of what happens when he comes to speak to the new england patriots he had me speak to the team. Tom Brady walks in with a notepad and sits in the front row and he's writing everything I'm saying. And it was unsettling for me because it was Tom Brady doing it. And so what does that tell you? It trickles down because if you can coach your players and then they can coach each other. And if they buy into the coach, then they can police each other. Okay, so... What's so great here is, uh, just so you understand the context, the world's greatest quarterback who happens to be married to a supermodel who happens to be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Here's the Doc Rivers is coming to speak. He comes with his notepad. He sits in the front row and he writes down everything Doc has to say. If this doesn't speak about this appetite for learning, for being a student, but also what speaks to me here is the humility. Despite all that success, people are still ready to learn. And I think that this is, this is by and far, you know, the most exciting thing is to hear that these guys who've accomplished everything are still ready to learn. Yeah, I actually have a, another clip that I'd like to add to that, Mike, which really just shows how Bill instills this constant learning in in the teams that he's coached over the years. Well, where I probably learned the most is my first year in 1975 because I took a job, was given a job with the Colts, and I didn't have any experience, and they were very understaffed. I wasn't getting paid anything, but I had a lot of responsibility for that position, and so I was able to learn a lot. It was like having uh, two or three graduate courses in one year. After that year, when I went to Detroit, we were one and four. We were playing the Patriots, who were four and one. They had a great team. And I went back to an experience that I had in Baltimore. I kind of talked to our offensive coordinator at that time and said, look, I know we haven't ever used this formation, but you know, I studied this formation when I was in Baltimore last year. I, I think this is really going to give the Patriots a problem. Can we take a look at this? So we went through it. We looked at it. We used it, and you know, we won the game by three touchdowns. It was a huge upset. That was kind of one of those where I'm like, okay, I, I can I can coach in this league. What did you take away from that? That it's a good that, that don't be afraid to use a good idea just because it's unconventional, just because somebody else hasn't done it. If you believe in it's a good idea, then you know, don't be afraid to use it. And there, there he is talking about his first 
how in his first year he was essentially, you know, in multiple grads, you know, school courses learning how to coach. And it was interesting to me how he, he framed it that way. Like, you know, I'm not going to just like coach players and how to catch footballs or how to throw footballs. He's like, no, I'm actually, you know, learning as if I'm in college, you know, how the game works and how to play the game. Yeah, it, to me, it's this embodiment of the, the the greatest leaders are the greatest students, and I think we've seen that time and time again on the show, haven't we? That these great innovators, great entrepreneurs, great sports coaches have the ability to learn. Tom Brady sitting up the front there, taking notes from the doc. But also the fact that in his first year in the pros, he was referring to plays that he had learnt years and years before. And just he's a walking database of different plays. He knows his subject. It's, it's, it's almost reminiscent of Elon Musk, you know, knowing in great detail use cases and requirements and the capacity of given technologies to achieve certain outcomes. This to me is a great reminder for, for us that the success we're seeing now is rooted in this idea of always learning, of always being a student. And, and I think the way, the thing I take out of this is the humility that both Brady and him demonstrated in these two stories to be ready to learn. They never mm. think they're above it. No, because... I think I think Bill chose very early on that that was going to be his advantage because you know he was not he he wasn't an outstanding football player when he was young you know he was he was a good football player because he knew how to play the game but he wasn't you know going to physically surpass most of the players that he was playing against and so I think with the encouragement of his father who was a a storied NFL scout an assistant coach at um, at the Naval Academy, and he encouraged Bill to just learn the game better than anyone else, mm. and that will be your advantage. Mm. Mm. The um, this this concept of learning is such a strong theme. I, I would say this is one of the single strong, strongest themes we're seeing in all of the, the the shows to to this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone, and, and, and I can tease this, the ones, the shows we've got coming, we can really see this, the theme is, comes back time and time again. But um, learning is just the start for Bill Belichick. Why don't you set up this next clip where we start to get into some of the other practices that he has for success? It's really interesting to me in doing research and, and listening to, to Bill, understanding how it's, isn't it the art of war talking about, mm -hmm. you know, knowing your opponent's moves before they do, that's how you, that's how you can overcome or, or defeat them. That's, that's absolutely I, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm butchering. I mean, I know there's a quote somewhere out there um, that I'm butchering, but Bill Belichick is certainly a, a student of, of Sun Tzu in, in that regard. But um, the way that he prepares for games like when he was an assistant coach, he would be preparing for two games ahead so that when they had played their game mm. the next day, he would already know more than even the head coach about their next opponent. So all of the players and all the coaches would come to him because he knew, you know, 
all the formations and the plays and the the tendencies of those players and um that showed him really early on the the value of preparation but here's um here's him just just talking about how um how valuable that is for him there's a sign over there that says every battle is won before it is fought you said that's one of the few signs you have in the patriots headquarters sun tzu art of war um it's all about preparation you know what you're doing and you have an idea what the opponents can do what their strengths and weaknesses are um then once you get into the game then those adjustments will be um i won't say easy but relatively easier more manageable how do you know when you're well enough prepared when everybody knows what to do because our game's so fast, things happen so quickly. So you review the situations, review the communication. You try to make sure that everybody's on the same page. If it's too complicated, it's probably not going to work. Right. Uh, if it's too simple, uh, that might not work either because it's too obvious. So you try to find that 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 fine line in the middle where it's uh, challenging enough for your opponents, but uh, something that you can execute. Again, it comes down to execution. Every battle is won before it is fought. That's that's, That's what you're the looking for from the art of war. Yeah. Oh man, it's and it's so true of the way he plays, and and frankly, he knows so much. He's learned so much, and he is prepared so much that uh, what was really special, both in the book and in a lot of the preparation, you find that his competitors talk about the fact that even if. Uh, someone competing against Bill Pet Belichick. So the opposing team is playing and they come out with all these new moves in the first half. It's, it's infamous in the NFL that those teams always end up losing in the second half because Bill Belichick's team, the, the New England Patriots, they adapt so quickly and that they, they return fire with fire so quickly that your advantage is only for the half. And this is what we saw in the, in the Super Bowl. Atlanta was way up, way up, but they adapted, and it's because they're so prepared. So I, I have a question for you, Mike. How, how can you and I learn from and embody this idea of preparation in the things that we're doing, either you know, creating immersive stories or working with companies or, or our own companies to create new products and services. Okay, so this is a little bit tangential, so you have to forgive me a bit. But the first thing that comes to mind is when I'm uh, giving a talk and I, I remember giving in my time a few bad talks and once or twice they've gone They've gone okay. And the difference between a good and a bad talk for me is preparation. And um, the way I embody this is that if I can't write the narrative out on the evening before the talk without any prompts completely unaided, if I can't write out the narrative, the story that I want to tell, maybe in five to ten bullets, Mm -hmm. If I can't, if it's not just coming out of me like that, if I don't know the story that well, then I know that I'm not prepared because the best talks are those that you give when you're not trying to remember what you wanted to say, that you know the subject so well that you are completely present in the telling of the story in the moment. And this is my greatest lesson with preparation is uh, with talks and, and it's just know your subject. You know, he talks about, you know, do your job, know your job. I, I tell you what, uh, public speaking is a great metaphor for this. 
just know it so well, be able to write it out a hundred times without any, you know, checking your notes. That's when you know it. And then that, that's when you can tell the story great. And that's, for me, that's where preparation comes. What about for you? Like when you turn it uh, into producing and you've got so many facets, such a big team to make a, a story right when you're making a film, how do you, how do you embody preparation? I actually think it's it's quite similar. If I can boil it down onto a post-it note or an index card and know it from that, like you said, the four or five bullet points, then I know that I'm prepared enough. You know, like you look at the the coaching staff on the sidelines of a of a NFL football game, and they have just like one eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper that's laminated and it's you know printed on both sides. Yeah. And they have the entire game plan, all of the plays, all the situations, you know, we're up by a lot and we need two yards or we're down by a lot and we need 18 yards. All Everything is all just on that one sheet of paper. And to me, that is like the embodiment of all of those weeks of preparation for or an entire week, I guess, really, in the regular season, you know, f- for that ball game. And so um, an exercise that I like to do right beforehand uh, so I guess like, whereas you are kind of writing it out mm-hmm. or kind of mm-hmm. telling it mm-hmm. from memory, for me, if I can distill it down into that index card or that post-it note, um, then I'm confident that I know kind of what the essence of what I'm doing yep. is. Yep. And then I can be really confident going forward. Yeah. And then you can, I would imagine when you're shooting and you've got all all the, you know, all the cogs moving at the same time, you can, you know what you're looking for and you can find that great piece of the story rather than scrambling around looking at a shot list thinking oh my gosh have we got the shots you know exactly because i know what's most important like i know it's most important to connect with this character or person emotionally and so we just put ourselves in the situation to do that instead of like you said it's like oh well did we get the drone shot did we get this shot did we get that shot it's like no just what's the most important parts of the story that we're trying to tell and just be sure that we we get that yeah and for our listeners I would equate preparation a lot with thoroughness or or being rigorous in the way you create new products or services. And one of the things that I know from experience is that what characterizes a great product is not only that the, the core feature, the core part of the experience or the service uh, works, but it's the rigor, the thoroughness, the preparedness to make sure all the little things around the core experience are working. So the classic thing is the onboarding experience for an app, for example. A lot Mm -hmm. of people don't think that through, and we've all had those experiences where because they have not done proper user journeys, which is literally an A to Z, every single step the user is going to go through to use this product or service, you download an app and you're like, oh, my gosh, did anybody check this? This just does not feel normal or it just doesn't work and the other Mm. thing is support this is the classic one that's always left off if onboarding is always always forgotten on the front end on the back end of any digital product or app it's like okay it doesn't work what do i do now and the support characteristics are always the one to look for. It's the tell of an unprepared team. There's no mm. FAQ. There's no way to get an instant chat. There's no way to to 
crank up a ticket. Those are all the tells of a team that wasn't prepared. And, you know, there's one thing to be MVP or move fast and break things, but there's also just not being prepared. And those mm-hmm. are the tells I think you can look for and that we experience all the time when we try out new new products and, and new services. So we can take a lot from Bill's old school analog lessons, I think, uh, into, our, into our digital world. And um, talking about our digital world, um, I think, <laughs> I think Chad, it's fair to say Bill's not a fan of social media. What do you reckon? No, I think he hates social media more than he dislikes uh, having to talk to the media, to like the the, the, the TV stations. Yeah, exactly. So we had to just as a as a little halfway marker, a little bit of context. Uh, so this is the same CNBC interview, and um, Bill is has prefaced these comments that he's about to give with he he tries to stop social media any way he can because he just thinks it's an enormous distraction for his players. But, uh, I mean, this would almost be our blooper reel, I think. Have a listen to this clip. This is, uh, there's two big bloopers in this from Bill. Uh, I think he's just trying to demonstrate how much he doesn't like social media. And his attempt at at referring to Snapchat and uh, Facebook are, well, I don't know if it's Facebook or Instagram. You work it out. This is Bill talking about his hatred of social media. You know, we have uh, rules that, you know, prohibit our players from, you know, posting things on, you know, instant face and all that. We don't, And I think it's important for us to, as a team, to know each other, to know our teammates and our coaches, to interact with them more than it is to be uh, liked by, you know, whoever on chat room. Uh, so we... <laughs> We try to encourage our the interaction and the personal contact and experiences, um, and not really pay attention to what people are saying out there who we don't even know. Instant face, Mike. Haven't you heard of it? You don't. You haven't downloaded it. Well, yeah. I'm. I, you know what? The first thing I wanted to do was check in and see if Instant Face was still available <laughs> as a URL. I think this is. Uh, I think this is so perfect. Instant face. And what was it? Chat book? <laughs> Chat room. Chat room. <laughs> so there you go. Bill, Bill Belichick, for all his um, amazing talents on the football field, he is not, he's not too crash hot on that old internet's social chat thingy-me-bob, is he? I, I loved hearing this from him. I mean, I, I'm a bit of a social media Luddite myself. I, I don't have a Facebook account. I'm not active on Twitter or Instagram. He's like, I just want people to interact with each other, you know, <laughs> to talk to and learn from the coaches and talk to and learn from the players. You know, it, it's funny, but I, I do think that certainly in his environment, that personal interaction and that one on one time is so important. And when you have that being mediated by all these you know, social media platforms, it's difficult for him as a leader to kind of keep a handle on things. Yeah, and um, he seems so focused on relationships and what you will hear many times when great players talk about being under him was how much they enjoyed playing for him, or under him, with him. Like there, there's, a real, there's a real great affinity for him and I think a lot of that comes from he's so he puts so much time into his uh, player relationships. And in fact, we're going to get into that in, in, the, in the second half of the, the show. We're going to get into a lot of how he manages teams. And I, I hope for, for the listeners, you can sense here that we have 
somebody who is a once in a lifetime opportunity for someone who is such a great leader for us to learn from because he's a learner himself and he's more prepared than any other coach and the other coaches know that as well. And for whatever hatred he has of social media, he is up there with the likes of Fred Smith from FedEx and totally devoted to uh, learning. And, you know, he's dropped Sun Tzu and he'll drop some other great historical greats as well in the second half of the show. But I, I just found it a, a big affirmation of, of learning, always being in student mode. I, I, Absolutely. I just think he's, he's remarkable in that. What, what was it for you in those, the first half of those clips, uh, Chad? What was it that really resonated for you? Yeah, I, I almost think we have to like dig deeper into some of our, our subjects to find something besides like this idea of being a, a lifelong learner. But you know, there's absolutely something there, right? There must be, because I think everyone we've profiled so far has either outright called themselves a lifelong learner, or you can look and see their, mm. their practices and their habits and, and understand that they, in fact, are a lifelong learner. And so I think for me, it's just affirmation that you and I need to keep investigating these people and learning right. more from them because they attribute a lot of their success and a lot of their, um, just, they, they attribute a lot of what they, they do or how they do it to, to the things that they've, mm. they've learned beforehand. Mm. And I think this is, this is a good chance to mention the book that you had turned me on to, Mike, because uh, the title is The Education of a Coach by David Halberstam, or Halberstam. And I was surprised at how far back into Bill Belichick's uh, kind of history and childhood the book goes, but it's extremely important to understand kind of his history and heritage and why he was imprinted at such a young age in the value of learning, because his father was a, a coach uh, from a very young age, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. mostly in the college game, and uh, but he kind of played around in the in the NFL as well. But he he brought up Bill, you know, as his acolyte. You know, I, I think as early as nine years old. Yeah, you know, he was yeah. learning and memorizing plays and calling them back to to his dad. Yeah, I I think the this book by David Hobbleston it's called the the education of a of a coach. He he's quite a famous writer, Hobbleston. But to me, the, the most powerful combination that I pulled out of this was this dense knowledge and understanding of the game. So very functional. He knew his vocation. He knew his craft. But what the book also shows us is he knew people. Uh, now, what's interesting is he's not a great orator, he's not a great speaker, so he's not a rah-rah coach. But much more importantly, he seems to uncover great potential in players that others don't see, and he he has an ability to mobilize teams in a remarkable way. Some things I took from the book is he generally has a smaller coaching staff than most other professional coaches. He often doesn't have the biggest payroll in the NFL, all these amazing things. It just tells you he knows the game better than anyone and he knows football players better than anyone. Yeah, and I think because he grew up 
a coach's son, he was able to find other like-minded coaches that he wanted to work for when he was first starting out. And then that he wanted to hire to work with him when, you know, he finally became mm, mm. a head coach. And so I think the, I really took away the importance of knowing your strength and then surrounding people, surrounding yourself with people that can let you continue to focus and work on your, on your strength. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a great read. Of course, we'll have it in the the show notes for everyone. And I and I would say this is one of those football books, coaching books that doesn't really require you to be a mad NFL fan to appreciate. Is that fair? No, not at all. Yeah. I think I think you can just appreciate it. It doesn't spend too much in the nitty gritty of NFL. And in fact, the only criticisms you can find on Amazon are from the hardcore NFL Patriots lovers who want a lot more, you know, chunky, hardcore, Kool-Aid football stuff. And this is more the, the, the greatest story. So a great read. It's called The Education of a Coach uh, by David Halberstam. And uh, we'll have that, that link for you in the show notes on moonshots.io. So let's move to the second half. And, you know, we did, as we mentioned, we did a lot of that more functional, deep learning, knowing the game very well. Um, before we get too much into the way he runs teams, creates leaders and so forth, let's jump into uh, this next clip where he, it's quite short, but he encapsulates his core philosophy about coaching. So here's Bill Belichick on his core tenets of coaching. Do your job, be attentive, um, pay attention to details, and put the team first. In football, um, to be successful as an individual player, you need your teammates. And the better you connect with them, the better you interact as a team, the more successful you'll be individually. And I'd say we try to do things to help the team building process. So he, he, he drops his very famous, I think, do your job. That's, I think, probably his most famous saying, wouldn't you say, Chad, do your job? Yep. Yep. Do your job. Yep. Do your job. So um, what you'll see in the research is many other job, many other coaches have actually stolen this and openly said, I got this from Belichick. And a lot of people use that in American pro sports, this idea of doing your job. But what I want to call out on this is very analogous to, to work, which is good players contribute to the team and, the t and when they do, do that, that sort of unselfish behavior, uh, when mm -hmm. they contribute to the good of the team, the team gives back to them and it's almost this virtuous circle. In that second half, he's really starting to explain what you could equate to modern-day collaboration, agile teams working together, building something where the sum of the parts is greater than the individual pieces. This is where the, the compound effect, if you will, of his approach really starts to happen, is you get a bunch of guys giving unselfishly to one another, and it ends up making all of them individually even better. And I think Tom Brady is the is the greatest example of that when you hear about this collaborative approach what inspires you about about his philosophy uh, chad 
Well, in, in the book, I found out that they're the Patriots headquarters. They don't have any trophies or banners or anything celebrating any of their past victories and you know glorious Super Bowl wins because they, I think, because they don't want to idolize you know one particular team or one particular player because you know the team that week is different. You know, different players are playing mm-hmm. or injured or in or out mm-hmm. and. For for Bill, I think it's really important to keep that idea of team first, and that you as a player fit into the larger team, and that no single effort, you know, is going to be able to get them, you know, those those victories that they're that they're looking for. Yeah, and what I would characterize the the New England Patriots is they they have star players without a doubt, but. One of the the really interesting things when you read all the quotes, um, many players will talk about their time at the Patriots as the best time in their career, even if they move on after. And he's not scared to sell off players, much to the chagrin of his fans sometimes. But he he always puts the the team and the club first, so he's never overly dependent on on you know any one one player so many lessons on the power of teamwork in in his tenants but uh, he he can riff as good as uh Fred Smith from FedEx when it comes to history so Chad I think you better you better hook us up with this next one where he goes for a deep dive into some lessons from history yeah he's talking about Sun Tzu earlier here he is you know with an Eisenhower quote Again, like another uh, business book genre on leadership, you know, there's all of those great military books about leadership and and kind of the parallels to business. But uh, here he is talking about what he's picked up and learned from Eisenhower. General Eisenhower put it pretty well. Um, The battle plan is great until you actually get into the battle. Then it doesn't mean anything. So that's the way it is in football. You have a game plan, you go into the game, now you start playing, you see what your opponent's doing, or they make an adjustment to what you're doing. Uh, and then you have to change. So my job as a coach is to make good decisions. It's, it's not to go out there and block or tackle, thank God. Uh, that wouldn't be very good. Yeah. To take information, calculate it, uh, put it through some kind of process and figure out what's the next thing to do. And so uh, that happens from really the first play of the game. I think aside from Bill's preparation, all of the learning and preparation uh, that he does, I think the kind of X factor for him, and this is this is probably part of his personality, but his ability to adapt given the situation, take all of his preparation and just use it against his opponents in ways that they are not expecting. And you had alluded to this, you know, with this most recent Super Bowl that they played. The Falcons had the Patriots beat in the first half. Completely. Completely. I mean, like... Without a doubt, like people were turning off their TVs, people were giving up on the Patriots. Like, oh, heartbreaking to know. watch! Heartbreaking, heartbreaking. If you're a Patriots fan, you were like, "They're gone. There's no way you come back from this." But Bill knew there's two more quarters of football left. You know, we've got half an hour to to work to 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 win this game, and so he took all the preparation that he'd probably been doing all year. He probably suspected, you know, we might see the Falcons. Mm in the Super Bowl or maybe this other team in the two weeks of prep, you know, before the game. 
with you know him and his coaches and the players adapted their their game plan like you said they threw out formations and plays that they hadn't used uh, all year long mm-hmm. that the falcons had never seen mm-hmm. and it took them by surprise and, and stunned not only the atlanta falcons but like everyone watching the Super Bowl because there they were tying the ball game in the last seconds right. to go into overtime. That's right. And and so a couple of quick thoughts here. Uh, you can find on YouTube interviews with Bill Belichick where he refers to, we had lost control of the scoreboard in the most recent Super Bowl, but not control of the game. He, he referred to that they were still making plays even though they weren't winning on the scoreboard so he wasn't stressed he wasn't actually that stressed he he knew all he had to do was find the trigger uh to, to to get them to complete plays to make the fourth downs to get the points on the board and i think he's probably the only one in the state <laughs> that thought this by this time him and tom probably yeah yeah that's right that's right and one of the the things to learn from here and and i think if everyone is looking for more uh, bridges into the business world. If now there is just no better time in the world for businesses, for companies, for for people making products to be more adaptive, the rate of change in which we operate our businesses and we create new products and services, uh, you need to be adaptive and you need to be looking and listening and and reading the feedback, looking for signal in the noise. And uh, Bill is the master at this. So he's so calm that he can see the patterns because he doesn't feel the stress. He sees the patterns. And I think uh, being adaptive and changing mid-flight and not being so dogged on the idea you had before you walked into the stadium, I think this applies specifically to business. If you see customers moving a different way, if you see trends that are against your plan, change the plan. Absolutely. And, and, and find those small things that you can do on a regular basis. You know, it doesn't have to be a dramatic shift. And, you know, if you look at the way Bill coaches football, it's not a very dramatic shift, but he knows the one or the two things that he can try and test and see how, how the other team reacts to. And then when Mm. he finds out that that works, then he just doubles down on it. He's like, oh, we can take away the run by doing this. Okay. That's what we're going to do. And then he takes that as a new piece of information and, you know, continues to, to learn and adapt um, as he goes. So yeah. I, it's, yeah. I love the, this idea of being adaptable, adaptable in business, but sometimes I feel like I can get paralyzed and think, oh, like I have to change the way I do this completely. When in fact, it's those small incremental changes that can actually make the bigger and easier change. Yeah, and that reminds me, uh, just to go on a bit of a tangent here, the lessons from Tim Ferriss, uh, sort of the the body life hacker, four-hour work week guru, he, when he studied failure and success, one of the things that really struck me when I read four-hour work week and some of his earlier work was he, he said so many people fail because they set such ri- ridiculously audacious goals that would take such a long time to achieve that, of course, you you kind of you lose momentum. And, I, and the great example he gives is people who go to the gym and mm-hmm. say, right, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. And he reverses that and he says, just say that you're going to get to the get to the gym three times this week. Make it start with a very small goal. 
and then build out from that. And so what I what I think we have to do a Tim Ferriss show. Oh, yeah, think? I would love to. And by the way, while we're talking about shows we should do, we should totally do a Simon Sinek uh, show. We talk about the power of why about a million times a show. We need to, we need to do a Agreed. Simon Sinek one as well. And for all those listeners, you guys need to be telling us who we need to be uh, interviewing. We've had some good suggestions from some of our guests who will be coming on uh, in the next few shows. So please do feel welcome to send in your suggestions. Just visit the site moonshots.io and uh, tell us who you would like to decode and learn from. And we'd happily do some shows on, on your nominated gurus of choice. So we've done we've done some Eisenhower. I think, Chad, are we are we ready to get into some more teamwork? Thinking? Absolutely. I think you have a a clip here about how Bill likes to run his teams. Oh boy, do we have a good clip! Now, there's two parts to this. There's this idea of equity or equality throughout the team, but I want everybody to listen to the second half of this because there's actually another big idea just in the second half of this clip, which is equally as good. So here's Bill Belichick in how he thinks about managing all members of a team. Right. Well, there's a couple elements to it. You know, one is coaching and uh, just from a pure coaching standpoint. I try to coach all the players the same. I mean, don't you have favorites like everyone else? I mean, honestly, I like all the players that we have. I respect all of our players. And if I favor one, that's not favoring 52. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, the way I look at it is I give everybody what they earn. So for me, it's so common that in our work experiences, we've seen people preferring the star of the show, the guy or girl who just has all the right moves and the right swagger or someone with the big reputation and and he runs the other way from that kind of stuff. But what I really liked about this clip was that last thing he just finished on, that he gives everybody what they earn. How did you take that, Chad, when you when you heard that he gives everybody what they earn? To me, that that is like the true Bill ism there uh that he kind of just slips in at the very end Mm. (laughs) like i saw that in in the story in the book education of a coach when they had picked tom brady in the draft he was the fourth quarterback on the roster he worked hard in training camp and became the backup to drew bledsoe the quarterback for the patriots for the past 10 years Uh, Drew Bledsoe got injured, and so Brady got the starting job. And the next season, when Bledsoe came back from his injury, you know, Bill Belichick said, you know, you can compete for the job. And and Tom won that battle, and he he benched Drew Bledsoe. And so, of course, the Patriot fans were up in arms. Here is their their decade long, (laughs) you know, star quarterback who had had broken most, if not all, of the records there. At New England um, for 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 passing as a, as a quarterback, but Tom Brady just outworked him and earned, you know, yeah. that starting quarterback position. Yep, that's so that's such a great story of he who works hardest gets the most from the coach. And I have to say, it's so important in sporting teams and work teams is to praise mm. hard work. There are so many people who put in hard work that might not be the fanciest or the glitziest or the noisiest about doing it, 
but they pull a team across the finish line. They are the ones who create the sense of commitment because people see others working hard and it's pretty hard not to want to work hard yourself. So uh, give everybody what they earn. Um, as In terms of a leadership lesson, oh my gosh, can I use that on the rugby field and in the office? It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an absolute cracker. Yeah, and the, the the subtle the subtle thing that I noticed too is that Bill doesn't only or really celebrate like the successes as much as he does the consistency of that work. And I think it's really important again to to know that that consistent work is what will get you those big successes. And so if you encourage and support the consistent work, then you'll ha- you'll, the successes will come. But if you're only celebrating those successes, then you kind of are tricking yourself into thinking, oh, well, like I'm, I'm just owed or do this success, when in fact you have to put in this work to do that. Yeah. So it's an interesting, subtle distinction mm. that, I, that I kind of felt, that, that, that Bill really celebrates the work more than the successes. Yes, he, he celebrates work. He celebrates details, um, rigor, and I would say the the interesting build on top of that is one of the things that I found very powerful to bring into coaching uh, when I coach rugby is that you train with the same intensity at which you want to play the game. Because it's actually, unless you can do it in training, you will never miraculously produce it on the field when you're under all that pressure. This was an enormous uh, breakthrough for me, a huge learning from this book that he, uh, and there's, there's, there's a great YouTube clip with uh, the preseason. Like Patriots, this is just for context, Patriots are so big time in the U.S., that they get thousands of people and television crews come to their preseason trainings. And uh, they had an ex-player there and they're interviewing him. And he says, like, what's the difference between the Patriots and all the other teams in preseason? And then he just says, they're working so much harder. So they're already working them really hard under game-like conditions in the preseason. And Bill has a lot of thinking to say that, like, unless – You'll only play as good as you train. And I think this is so great. Like unless organizations are working hard on all areas all the time, unless they are teaching and mentoring and coaching their players, their employees to be better, you can't miraculously think that without that investment in the the, the business equivalent of training that they're just going to pop and be great. Mm. You've got to invest in them. And, and you see this companies that invest uh, very heavily in their people take airbnb just one example they have this massive program to invest in their people and oh they're one of the highest valued startups in history one of the most successful mm-hmm. uh, startups in the valley they're very profitable now and they're thriving okay and that comes from investing in their people and i think that's that's a huge lesson that we're seeing there investing in people, training your people. But we've still got some more Belichick wisdom. 
Yeah, here, here's I and mean, just right along with what you're saying, Mike. Here's here's a clip from Bill just talking about what it takes to run a team. Fast forward, I take the job with the Patriots in 2000. The first meeting we have in the spring, this is back in the old Foxborough Stadium, so it's kind of a small room. We're squeezing the whole team in there. And here comes in the guy's first round draft pick uh, from a prior year, walks into the front of the meeting, not into the back, walks into the front and kind of sits down. And I'm already, I've already started the meeting, I'm three, four minutes into it. And, you know, I just look at him like, what are you doing? said, uh, you know, sorry, coach. Like, sorry, let's get out of here. We're not going to start this program off with you walking in whenever you feel like walking in. I don't care if the guy's the number one draft choice or not a number one draft choice. You know, we're just not going to run a team like this. Yeah. yeah, again, him just having no patience for the 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 drama, right? He's like, if you're not going to come to work, <laughs> then I don't want you here. But also, it's his first coach meeting at the Patriots, he ha- he doesn't have five Super Bowl rings. Like that's some kahunes just to say, "Hey, first round choice, get out of here, just get out." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, right? He set the tone. Yeah. Hello. He set the. There, yeah. There's a new sheriff in town. Oh, boy. So so again, just standing up for the right thing and not making exceptions. It's a great learning for us all. And I I feel now we wanna we wanna dive into to our last Bill Belichick quote and uh, now just want to take a step back. You know we've heard how he is better prepared. He's learning more than anyone else. He's adaptive. Uh, he's got he everyone uses all of his learnings. Yes. Yeah. Do your job. What else was the some of the big ones um, that he did there? It's all about the team. Yep. Team before the individual and so forth. What is really interesting in this interview by CNBC, and again, this the full interview you'll find in the show notes on moonshots.io, this last one is just the perfect way for us to wrap up our time with Bill. And this is him talking about his deep motivation and passion for the game of football. Right, but none of us got into football to be a professional football player. None of us got into professional football to be a professional coach or to manage a cap or manage a team. All of us that got into football got into football because of the game, because we love to go to practice. We love to play the game when we were 8, 9, 10 years old. So to me, what's, what's really important here, and again, we saw this with a lot of our entrepreneurs and innovators, there's just no way you could study night after night different plays. There's no way you could make the time to help support and take care of all of those players on your roster. There's no way you could do it just for the money or just for being the boss. Mm-hmm. I think it is a clear call out. He just loves the game. And the fact that he can still, as the world's best NFL coach ever, for sure, perhaps one of the greatest sporting coaches ever of any sport of any time, he can still take us right back to his love of the game as a kid and it wasn't about even being a coach for him. He just loves the game. And he has been able to marry his passion 
to his work and find the enjoyment and fulfillment in that, which I think is also another parallel to to everyone else that that we've profiled. I think there is a genuine interest, if not from a young age, you know, certainly kind of in their young adult lives in in what they're doing. You know, Fred Smith kind of growing up in a in a in a transportation, you know, um airplane mm-hmm. uh maintenance family understanding, hey, you know, we can use planes in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um and I can build a, a a whole new transportation company. Or someone like Elon who's very who's very kind of book smart or you know is able to grasp lots of seemingly disparate disciplines yes and then weave them all together into kind of a very grand plan mm. and I, and I would I would call on a little bit of Oprah here and say you know she says like you can't change the world and what's outside of you if you don't know what's going in, inside of you and obviously bill just felt his calling and he just went all in and the book details some of the crazy efforts he went to in his first years of coaching as like a and when we say coaching we mean like the assistant to the assistant to the other assistant right? well not even not even a real title i mean essentially his first job with he was the an Colts, intern right he was he wasn't even he paid like wasn't first. even an intern he was not getting paid and <laughs> the right. coach said well if if anyone willing to work for free isn't worth you know their weight and bleep you know sort of like he was like uh and he was he was sleeping in one of the rooms he was driving to the airport to pick up all the players i mean he was doing all of the jobs no one else wanted to do but it was because he loved it and it's just that much easier when you Mm. love it right that much easier yeah. Wow. Well, that that's this is like a and once again a, a spectrum from passion to 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 encouraging and fostering teamwork to to being a lifelong student and just being more prepared than anyone else. Mm. I I have found Bill to just be fantastic and 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 the funniest thing to share with you and the listeners is the whole reason I got into Bill is that as I've started coaching rugby here in here in Sydney in Australia, you know, I really wanted to read books about the best coaches in the world. And, you know, I read about Bill Walsh, who was the famous 49ers coach who mm-hmm. coached uh, Montana, up until recently considered the best coaching uh, quarterback combo. And then obviously, you know, the Patriots, uh, you know, Tom and Bill – and it is such a joy for me to bring, you know, one of my personal patch- uh, personal passions, which is coaching rugby and, and s- coaching sports, and to bring that full circle into my into my work and into thinking about innovation. And it's it's been such a joy to share these clips with you, Chad. So I'm 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 very interested to know what you've taken from this time of diving into Bill Pelichek? Oh, I, I think for me, it's um, his idea of elevating the team above individuals and then just simply that that preparedness. And in reading the book, I really got a sense that he, obs- he just obsesses mm-hmm. over knowing and learning more about his opponents and his the capabilities of his, of his own team. And what he actually does... I think that was completely unique when he first came onto the coaching 
stage was he found out what their opponent's strengths were, and then he figured out how to take away their strengths. Instead of finding their weaknesses and exploiting their weakness, he took away their strengths, which was just a very different way of coaching a football team and, and playing football. Of course, all of the other coaches found out about this and they started you know, to do the same thing. But I think that was really his true, that was his true innovation um, that I had learned in doing all this research on him was seeing how the game was being played up until that point and trying to figure out how he and the resources and the team that, you know, that he had, how he could influence that the most. And so mm. this, this different strategy of actually taking away an opponent's strength would be, would be the thing that, that transformed his teams. And I, I, I think that that, that is it. Um, that, that's kind of his, I guess, highest mm. or truest innovation. I mean, um, um, amongst many other things mm. that, that he's done as, as a coach. Mm. So you're saying his ability to zero out huge strengths to, to box in key players on the other team, restricting them from being themselves, making them uncomfortable, putting them under pressure, not being able to do what their signature approach was. And putting them on the back foot. Yeah. Yeah. And what I want to do now is, because that is such a fascinating strategy to me, I want to figure out how it has been applied in, in the realm of business and startups and how I can apply it in what I'm doing as well. Because mm. But I'm 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 very fascinated by that that strategy that he kind of discovered and exploited to to such amazing effect. Mm, mm. And I think what what went so hand in hand with that was just the way he got so much more out of players than anybody else could to mm -hmm. serve that strategy. He just he could have guys sixth round quarterback picks from the draft. <laughs> And he could transform them into the best ever. That's that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Well, you'd thrown out a couple of names for people we should uh, profile next. I, I would encourage all the listeners to go to moonshots.io and uh, let us know who you would like us to profile. Mm. I'm sure that we are leaving out many disruptors and innovators that could be just as entertaining as Bill, yeah, I think, and and I challenge everyone: give us give us uh, some suggestions. Keep on this high rate of pivoting and zigging and zagging. Our plan for the for the next episode, which we will record next week, will be another big favorite of mine. That's Ed Catmull from Disney and Pixar, a fantastic book, Innovation Inc. Uh, Creativity Inc. And looking into the world of Pixar, if you think I'm excited, Chad, you must be jumping out of your skin. I mean, this is right in your ballgame. Yeah. I mean, Pixar, Disney, I, I am in love with what they are doing from us. From us. I mean, the fact that you can make a billion dollars on essentially what is just a story, like it's- <laughs> A cartoon. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it really goes to show the power of story. It does. And- um, 
I want you to remember that uh, the economics of what they do, as you mentioned, is is phenomenal. Their average return per movie outperforms the industry uh, way more than 10x. I mean, they are head and shoulders above anyone uh, when it comes to to making uh, not only animation, but just film and story, period. And joining us, we will have our, our next uh, special guest. We are going to have the Australian expert, if you will, in creative thinking. His name is Simon Banks. He is the author of a new book, A Thousand Little Light Bulbs, which is a great title. Uh, I've actually, I can confess, I got a pre-read of, of the book, and it's fantastic. I mean, there are so many creative ideas in this book for anyone wishing to disrupt and Simon's a fascinating guy. He's traveled all around the world. He started out as an illustrator, so he has both written and illustrated his own book. And he's going to join us. He's a great pick to come and talk about Ed Catmull and uh, the book that that uh, that Ed wrote, Creativity Inc. is is an absolute absolute cracker. It's a great book, well worth uh, reading. As will Simon's, which uh, launches very soon. So I'm I'm really looking forward to to this next show as well. It's also another pivot, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just excited to see where the show goes from here. Very good. So remember, send us your feedback through moonshots.io. Tell us who you'd like us to cover in future shows. Um, and share the show if you uh, yeah. know someone that could benefit from uh, hearing the wise words from Fred Smith or Oprah or Jeff. You know, we we'd love to uh, expand our audience. So we uh, we thank you for for singing the praises of the of the show and and sharing it with your friends. Yeah, we really we really do uh, appreciate. It. So that's a wrap for for another show uh, from us in Sydney and uh, from Brooklyn combined. It's been just a blast getting into to Bill Belichick. Really enjoyed uh, doing the show today, uh, Chad. Unlike me, you've just woken up. So what's what remains for the rest of the Chad Owen day there in uh, sunny New York? Oh, well, I'm packing my bags and I'm off on a, another two-week production sprint across the United oh States. Gosh. So, so when are you, when are you departing the the the, the East Coast? in like two hours <laughs> holy smoke holy smoke so um i will be stationed here in sydney for a little bit but um after that i'll also be doing a week or two on the road throughout europe i'll be speaking at uh the design thinking forum at uh in bucharest and also product camp in bucharest so for all the romanian and european listeners you can catch me there and for my dear friends in Amsterdam, I will also be seeing you in mid-September, uh, looking back to returning to the dam. Lots to look forward to, lots of travel, lots of great shows from us. So from me, it's thank you, Chad. It has been fabulous. Good luck packing. Make sure you uh, pack the, the socks, the ibuprofen. Don't forget your comb. What else is on the on the pack? For, oh, for, my my microphone, of course, right? Because oh, uh, I'm going to yes. be recording with you on the road. Right, right, um, right. Yeah, and it's the, you know the gear checklist just to be sure that I got all the uh, I've got all the memory cards and the batteries. Oh and, my gosh! You know all of that, but I have a list, so me too. Uh, it shouldn't me be too. too hard. 
All right, Chad. Great catching up. Great talking uh, about the world of uh, the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. Yeah, and thank you for turning me on to uh, the greatness that is Bill Belichick. Oh it was uh, it was absolutely uh, a pleasure to to research and read ab- about him and the team, and uh, I definitely learned a lot. Me too. Me too. Thanks again, and for all our listeners, take care. And you can uh, chase us up at moonshots.io. Thanks, and we'll see you on the next show.